0: Welcome to Recovery Uncovered, your all things recovery podcast. Recovery Uncovered is produced by MHAB Enterprises, a division of the Northeast Group of Companies located right here in Plattsburgh, New York. I'm your host, Mike Carpenter.
1: Affectionately known as MHAB Mike. And I'm your co-host, Betsy
0: Vicencio. Affectionately known as BV the Normie. We have one goal in these podcasts and that's not to suck. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to our podcast. This is episode 11,198. And let me preface this by saying it doesn't mean it's our 11,000th episode. It's just a fun name that we used and maybe you'll be able to figure out why we use that.
1: Part of your super secret message.
0: My name is Mike Carpenter, also known as MHAB Mike. This is my sidekick, Betsy Vicenzio, also known as BV and for podcast purposes, also known as the normie. although We use that <laughs> term loosely. Wow, Betsy. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to add in the introduction? <laughs> <No>? OK. Good. <laughs> good. Thought so.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad you've come back for our second episode. Really glad to have you.
0: <laughs> so today, glad to have you, so but. today we're going to be talking about what recovery is, forms of recovery, all kinds of different criteria around recovery and you know we did some research and as I said in our initial podcast and I'll, I'll say it again I'm a member of the long-term recovery community with over 30 years of continuous sobriety and and there are a variety of ways for people to find their way into recovery and, and we wanted to highlight some of those and talk about some of the nuanced differences uh, some of the things that go on in certain types of recovery. I want to preface this by saying I'm not an expert on recovery. I guess I'm an expert on my own recovery, but I'm not a spokesperson for any of the groups we're going to talk about. I don't necessarily speak on behalf of them other than what my own experience or the experience of uh, people like your daughter or other people have had in trying out these different forms of recovery. And I, I think the goal for us today is to make sure that everybody understands that there are a variety of ways that people use to actually get and find recovery. Um, you know, I, I looked, and, and it's, it's funny, in the SPARK Coalition a couple of years ago, we tried to come up with what the term recovery meant. And we struggled with doing that. And I, I believe that SAMHSA, and I think you have that, listed something that they list as their criteria for what being in recovery is.
1: Right, SAMHSA. Can you read my writing? I, I'm gonna try. <laughs> SAMHSA's most recent definition of being in recovery is a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential. So that's, that's interesting, it's it's fluffy, but it's, I mean, I think after all the reading that we've done about the different recovery programs that are out there, because I don't think there is a one-size-fits-everybody recovery, everybody has to find their own way. Um, so I, I guess that, that that definition kind of I guess speaks to it from a, a, a high level, which is probably Samsha's. Yeah,
0: focus, I think right? <clears throat> you know. I think that it, it's interesting. I've read that a couple of times, and oh, y- wow. you know, recovery can mean. Many people think being in recovery just means I stopped using drugs, and and effectively. Yes. When I stopped using drugs, when I stopped drinking, I probably stopped doing the outward stuff that was destroying mm-hmm. me. And I think that what Sam's is trying to do there and, and what people who are actively engaged in a recovery program will tell you is that there's more things that I need to correct in my life, the, the kind of behavioral pieces, other than just the not drinking or not getting high or you know not doing the destructive behavior and I think that's what Sam's Sam's just trying to do it in a delicate way like they're trying to do this balancing act of saying you don't need to belong to a program or you don't need to do this it's really about wellness and, and doing the things that that change your life is and and I think that when the spark coalition tried to do this we struggle with the same thing like how do you determine what's in recovery. There's not necessarily a right way or a wrong way. I'm not more in recovery because I do more of one program than somebody who doesn't do it is. You know, recovery is such an individualized thing that everybody, you know, can be in recovery when they say they are. It's not you, you know, you know there's not a school for it. You don't have a you know, you don't you don't get a degree. You don't graduate. You know, it's not any of those things. It's really about, you know, kind of working on yourself to change with the ultimate goal being I don't want to go back to using and getting high. That—that's you know the ultimate goal. Um, But there seem to be a lot of other things that go on with regards to that.
1: No, I think for for me, from I'm going to call it from an outsider's perspective, and having witnessed, I think so many people attempting recovery in different formats, there are people that do the I'm just not going to drink anymore. I'm, I'm I'm done drinking and yet they've not done any of the other work. I think that accompanies this kind of concept of improving your health and wellness improving, for lack of a better term, your spirituality. And and you watch those people. Uh
0: Uh-oh, you said spirituality. It's the death word. We lost half the audience right there. They don't uh, want to hear about that shit.
1: uh, You find your Zen, find your center, (laughs) find your core, find your whatever your higher higher power, whatever the, the term is. But you watch those people struggle, right? They they still carry so many of the of the, the ales that are part of why they you know why they drank to excess or they use drugs. You, you you watch people that, and I don't even think those. And I, once again, I'm using that. So term, I think I think
0: that if you go if you go through the, the quick process, the quick kind of snapshot of the life of an addict you know life of an addict starts off oftentimes relatively normal many times there's some childhood trauma that goes on not all the time but certainly that's a part of it they start to use sometimes at a young age sometimes at an older age so there's a there's not a consistent thing that you can say everybody experiences this and that's why they become an addict They're, you know there's so many different components When they ultimately get to the point where they've they've had enough or they think they've had enough and they want to seek help obviously the first thing in today's society and thank god for it is a detox and then most likely some type of an inpatient rehab and those and and i want to say this because you want to make the delineation between going to rehab and being in recovery as being two different things and whenever i say that that may piss off some of the treatment providers it may not it, it but it really is truthful in my opinion that so so the people go they get detox so they physically get the chemicals out of their system and they get their health back they start to eat better they're sleeping better they're doing those things and they're in a very controlled environment they're in group meetings with accredited counselors they have peer support they're doing an awful lot of reading they're watching TV They're they're doing all kinds of things that are about what you have to do to maintain your cleanliness Mm -hmm. maintain being sober and, and but that's only a 30 or 60 or 90 day program so you're, you're taking somebody that's probably used for a very lengthy period of time not always but most of the time there's been <clears throat> it's been a more gradual takedown then they go to this 30 60 90 day in some days some cases even less because the insurance, mm-hmm. insurance. companies are so shitty and that's today a whole that other topic, uh, all absolutely itself. we'll talk about that at some point. But they and I, I don't think insurance companies necessarily understand that if they spent more money on the front end, they might not have to spend as much short-term money on the back end.
1: That is the with whole recidivism. theory about healthcare change. Quite yeah,
0: frankly. if you're yep. looking at results as opposed yep. to just treatment, you you wind up with better results. But healthcare we can reform. we'll yes. do that we'll do that That's at a, a later whole one. Other we won't get into that podcast. One today. So, so they leave rehab and and they're feeling great about themselves. They have you know 30, 60, 90 days of clean time, they're eating well, they're sleeping well, and they've been bolstered. They've been told that you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Then, then they go out into the world and they're left without those supports. Yep. And when you look at, so now what do you do to, to stay clean? And some people can do it just by saying, I have a great family, my wife loves me, my kids love me, and that's enough. And I know people who have stayed clean and sober doing that like so that that can work the majority of people need to find some type of a human connection with other people and that is where self-help groups come in and you know call them self-help call them mutual help call them whatever you want and obviously the big one on the block is Alcoholics Anonymous they were the effectively the the first first. one that came around and and from Alcoholics Anonymous came all other types of 12-step programs for which at the last count that I could find, there are 40 different offshoots of 12-step programs that are using the 12 steps with some nuanced difference. They change some of the wording around for whatever their effective ill is. And, you know, 15 of those deal directly with substances, like every specific substance, not everyone, but many of the the kind of designer uh, substances, marijuana, heroin, cocaine, they have their own 12-step program just for them, you know, on top of Narcotics Anonymous being one. And then you have 25, I believe, offshoots that are not even substance use related. That Are Are
1: you speaking about, like, Overeaters Anonymous? Um, what was there? Gamblers? There's Overeaters.
0: There's gamblers, gamblers. There's Debtors. There's Spenders Anonymous. Yep, spenders there's anonymous, Families Anonymous. About. Like, there's, yep. you know, so what's happened is you have all, all of these kind of people who have recognized that. I struggle with something and it appears that this 12 step way of life which really is what it is has helped these other people maybe it can work for us and it has a good success rate but it has a good success rate only for people that apply themselves to right. it you know the 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 funny thing about 12 step programs is they're not there aren't rules there aren't necessarily you don't have to do this you don't have to make sure you go to a certain well, number of Well there's not meetings. a governing body No right. governing there is body. no body. there's a, no
1: entity that says this is the way to do to right. do this but they do have guiding principles right Yeah
0: I mean they live by traditions but it's a very loose net very democratic Society, like if you you're a member when you say you are, the only requirement is a desire to stop doing whatever it is that the ill that affects you is. Like, like if it's alcohol, the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking. If it's you know narcotics, anonymous, the only requirement is a desire to stop using. Like they're all, so they all have a very general kind of low bar for admittance. Like somebody can't throw sure. somebody out. You don't sure. expel people. You don't get you know you don't get ostracized from the group. Those things don't happen. And the the issue at the core of twelve step programs is the spiritual growth, and the funny thing about that is that that seems to be the part. How come you that, can
1: say spiritual and like it's not like?
0: Well, because I'm a voodoo. member and I'm spiritual, and you're not a member and you're probably not spiritual. Whoa, that's the reason why. that's hard. <laughs> so, I don't think you know anything about so, my spiritual. Well, oh, I think I know an awful I lot about. I don't think you. you
1: know anything about my spiritual. So
0: so let's talk about that in terms of. And again, I'm not speaking on behalf of any 12-step program or all of them collectively. I'm just giving my own personal experience as having been a member of uh, one or more of those for many years. And, And there is, in the way the steps are written, some push toward a spiritual life. And for whatever reason, addicts have a very strong opinion about the spiritual world and how that works, if it works, if it can't work. And so there's an awful lot of uh, division sometimes in those programs with regards to that. And so I think what happened is for many years, people who didn't, who were non-believers, atheists, whatever the case is, were looking for something that they felt could work for them, not necessarily having to do it the 12-step way that was founded many, many years ago. And and so you now come to get all of these different offshoots that don't have anything to do with 12-step programs, aren't like them at all. But the funny thing about them in my research and my experience is that they all, almost all, still preach the connectivity piece. They still preach the support piece, whether yes. it's guided group meetings, guided phone calls, whatever the case is. They all live in that premise of in order to be healthy in recovery, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people yes. who think like you, who can help you in those in those dark times and i i think as i try to figure out why that happens you using drugs is is such a hard thing for anybody to be able to figure out they they call it a brain disease there are a lot of things and why people go back to it after many years of continuous sobriety and having a great life is still the great you know conundrum and why is it that people return to this and Oftentimes, in 12-step worlds, they say, well, the person stopped attending meetings, which are you know, probably the preeminent thing that everybody does in, in the 12-step world. But there's usually a lot of other things that go on. And, and in the world of relapse, the, the, the feeling of people like me, or me in general, is that when somebody ultimately uses again, they probably have if they've been clean for a long, for a period of time. Not somebody that was you know sober for a week, but if you strung together a few months, a few years, and then you go back to using, typically when you come back into recovery, you can look back and see where that started. Like it didn't just happen one day. You didn't just wake up one day and go, oh, never I'm mind, gonna I'm going to get high. Again, yeah. What happened is six months ago you stole some money from your employer and you didn't think anything of it, it was justifiable. And then three months before you lied to your wife about being out with your friends later than what you should have been. And and these little things that don't seem to be very important start to get eat at you and, and they eat at the, the inner of you and, and to the point where you get that you can't deal with that kind of emotional turmoil that you have and so using looks like a viable option. Now that's not 100% of the time. I know people that have relapsed just because they said, I've had enough being in recovery and I want to go out and get drunk or I want to go out and get high. It, it happens. But by and large, there's, there's this kind of slow dissension into where using looks like the viable option.
1: So I have a couple of questions if I can ask and I'm going to preface it by saying, once again, I've watched a bunch of people both uh, in full addiction and watched a, uh, you know, a bunch of many people in my life who have navigated their way through, through recovery and are in different and various stages. Well, you were
0: with one that you were responsible for.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, yes, you've had great uh, experience with this. Yeah, yes, I'm the cause. Co- yes, this yes, is yes, I'm the cause yes. of my daughter's addiction. <laughs> yes, thanks. Uh, jerk. Um, It seems as though people, um, addicts in particular, find a sense of community amidst using. They find a, a sense of belonging or they find a sense of self-confidence. And, and that's part of, I think, what it appears to me, causes them to continue or at least to, to, to launch their launch their their path through addiction. Now, and that's not to, to discount um, what might be, uh, a genetic pre- predisposition toward alcoholism or drug use. It's to say I think that for, for many people that I know that have really gone down the path of addiction, they you know they, they found a, a sense of, of belonging amidst others that used, whether it's drinking or using drugs and that, that, that it was a turning point for them. I think that, the other side to that as you speak to the you know kind of the the diagnosis of relapse which you're right is not the same for everybody there's a moment when people who were once connected to recovery feel disconnected from yeah. recovery and and you know i think you're right there's a slow erosion of small little things one little white lie one little misstep that you can't forgive yourself for and it all snowballs but you hide it until one day all of a sudden you go back and 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 once again and when i when i did my reading about so many recovery programs they really do. All, they're all founded on connect connection to like-minded people, people on a like-minded purpose, and part of that is is the, the support system that underlies, I think, real successful recovery.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you know, when you talk about this, there are there are experts and people who've done all kinds of research and will give you all the the scientific reasons why things happen. You know, what we're talking about is more anecdotal stuff from our own personal experience. I, I can tell you that. From personal experience there are some things that are pretty synonymous with most people who struggle with addiction or with addiction. One is we're incredibly sensitive people and although we may carry this really kind of gruff exterior and we may be able to appear like we can handle the world and we put ourselves in situations with guns and violence and you know all of those things that go with it at our core we're incredibly sensitive people like you can you can put me in an area with you know four people and have the drug deal go bad and violence and gunshots and all that and i'll be okay but if you tell me my sweatshirt and my pants don't go together like you did when we first (laughs) got here that causes me tremendous like like sensitivity I thought pain.
1: you matched it was but, just a curious outfit But, but for you. So, so
0: so so I think that we have we we have what I call the sensitivity gene we're we're very sens I have a good friend who used to use the phrase and I loved it tissue paper feelings like I have tissue paper feelings like I want to be tough but at my core you really can shred me with very little stuff the other thing that seems to be pretty universal with people that find their way into recovery or addiction and maybe never recovery is this feeling of never really fitting in anywhere, but having the ability to fit in everywhere. So the term chameleon gets thrown around, like you can put me in any group, with any group of people and I can fit in. Like you can put me with really bright, educated, smart people and I can fit in and play that game and you can put me with the people who are, you know, the drug dealers and I can fit in there but never feeling like I belong to any of those. So the statement you made about the sense of belonging is certainly a part of it. And, I, so, and that, again, is not 100% scientifically, they may not say that, <clears throat> that's just anecdotal stuff from me being in recovery for so long and watching people do this for such a long period of time um, that I think those things are, are pretty prevalent. Along with and, and we should never downplay it the whole trauma piece you know sure. the, the childhood sure, sure. trauma piece plays a, a yeah. huge part in addiction for an awful lot of people not sure everybody does. but it just does and the funny thing is you know trauma is another one of those elusive things because trauma for one person may be they had to be physically abused for twelve years. But that doesn't mean everybody has to be physically abused for 12 years to have trauma. Like trauma for the other person may be that their mother didn't show them enough love when you know the girl was growing up. So it so sure. it's another one of those elusive things that we that we talk about regularly. You know, I, I wanted to also talk. So we talked a bit about you know 12-step programs, and and that was really the only way. Like when I came in in the late uh, 80s and, and early 90s it was 12 step programs. That's what they, that's what everybody that's told what you to do. That's what was available. Right? It there was a
1: prominent program 100%. at the time. There was not a lot of other, yep. there was not a lot of availability <coughs> for other programs outside of rehab.
0: Yeah, and if time. you look at most of the other programs, it's almost funny to, <coughs> to think about them and we'll talk about some of them. And we probably aren't going to talk about all of them. I don't know all of them, but we do know, you know, some of the larger ones. They all kind of came about at that same time when the internet started to flourish. So as the world got a little smaller, there began began to become more connectivity for people. You could reach a broader audience. Like if you think about how 12-step programs spread, they spread by word of mouth. Somebody went to a city, got sober met with a guy, drove back to his city, and then went to hospitals and started to help other people and started his own group there. These other groups have flourished and grown more quickly because they have a larger ability to get to audiences. You know, the, the probably the one that is the most prevalent, and it's funny because it's a little bit segregated on some level, is Women in Sobriety, I think it's Women in sobriety, or, yeah, women women, sobriety. Women for Sobriety,
1: 1976.
0: Yes, they, they are one of the oldest uh, other Programs and and I don't know a lot about them. Obviously, I'm not a woman in sobriety or for sobriety, so I wouldn't do that. But at their core, one of the things they talk about is connectivity. So it's that that same kind of thing. And <laughs> I don't even know if they have a like a, a necessarily a written program out, but
1: they actually have. Um, they're <coughs> they're guided by thirteen. Well, don't they have the
0: acceptance the thirteen acceptance 13 principles? Yes.
1: Women for Sobriety yeah. New Life. Program acceptance statements—they're you know—they're guided by these thirteen. I'm going to call them core principles. They're they're called acceptance statements, and I, I, they're really quite interesting. What's so this will
0: piss off the women for sobriety. But do you think they had to be better than twelve-step programs, so they added one more, so really? that they could be better it than twelve-step program? Can
1: it just be that there were thirteen key thoughts <laughs> that they that came, came up to with? The an extra, members. That they came up with an extra one. But, you, but maybe you're right. Maybe <laughs> well, it's all about competition. Then why didn't they just
0: have eleven? I'm just you know I'm just saying that they could you
1: know women are a little bit wordy maybe they had to do 13 because they just needed they needed wow did you just say more (laughs) needy jerk it's I read I read the 13 um, acceptance statements and in the same fashion that I as as a non-addict read the 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 12 steps of AA and I read these 13 um, acceptance statements it's just great, it's just, it's a great way to look at yourself, it's a great way to look at your life, it's great guiding principles to, to, to the way you think about, uh, to think about things in general, you know, if you're going, and I'm going back to Samsha, you know, yeah. to improve health and wellness, whether it's mental we- mental health or or, or, or you know, general health, these are all just what great the, principles what for What all of that. these
0: organizations, Women for Recovery, the other ones we're gonna talk about, have in common is we we are finally recognizing that recovery is an inside job, it's not an outside job. For a long time we used to talk about, you know, you have to avoid these places, you have to avoid people and all that stuff, and there's validity to that. Like, I don't go hang out in bar rooms anymore, in large part because I wouldn't like it anymore. I mean, I did for years, I I wouldn't anymore. But today we're looking at it going, this is about changing the inside stuff that I think. It's not about necessarily changing my job or changing my wife. I have a a good friend who's been in recovery for many years, almost as long was me. And he says that, you know, I was ready when I came into recovery to quit my job, leave my wife, get rid of my children and move away. And he said, now I'm 30 years sober and I'm with the same wife in the same house at the same job with the same kids and I'm incredibly happy. And so what that tells you is that it's not, it really is an inside job. It's not the outside stuff that we think is what's causing us all this turmoil. It's the inner stuff.
1: Is there not, though, a point in time in the process of recovery where you do need some space from from those triggers, I guess, is some is the word that gets used? you need to... F- I hate that word. All right. I, don't, I, I, really, I apologize. Yeah. But is there not a moment in time when you need just some separation from the things that cause you the most amount of... of uh, what's so the word I, I'm looking so, for? So
0: I like to call that... I like to call it, and this will probably offend some people, but... I like to call it gimmick sobriety. Like, in my early days, I, I did the, I got to avoid people, places, and things. I can't drive down the road where the liquor store I used to go to is because somehow magically I'm going to pull in there and go in and buy a bottle or whatever the case is. And I, I think that living like that with that kind of fear is, I, for me personally, I might as well just continue getting high then if I have to live in that kind of fear. Now that doesn't mean early on that we shouldn't yeah, do the, sure the things. Sure seems like common sense. You wanna find, you gotta reset your habits, don't you? But I think, habits, I think that if that's, you go back to what I'm trying to explain that, if that's the stuff that you change and you don't focus on the inside right. stuff, you ultimately don't feel good enough to continue that change. So yes, there's, a, there's some common sense and common logic. Like I didn't go to bars in my early days because I bought into the idea that if I go to bars, I'm probably gonna drink. I don't go to bars today because I don't enjoy being there. But it doesn't mean I don't go. You and I have been to, uh, you know, we'll go if there's a reason to go. And I don't get people drink around me. It doesn't offend me. I'm just not, that's not my fun anymore. It's not what I do to enjoy it. So, So there is that kind of... It's, it's just a delicate balancing act like when do you tell somebody that they're going to have to do more than just not going around the people they used to know if you really want to change
1: so AA has been around since 1939 was there a time when AA was exclusively like a men's only at, it, at what point did they I mean I guess my question is do you know when AA invited women into the so as much
0: history as you get it's actually 1935 and as much history as you can find um, for AA, it was never an exclusive organization. Although back in those days, it was, I don't think that alcoholism was more prevalent in men than it was women necessarily. I don't think that's fair to say. It's just that the family structure was different. The women were typically more stay at home, men were out. So it was just more men that were in search of this. I forget, it's an interesting question. I used to know, I'll have to go back and find out who the first woman in recovery was. I, I believe it, I believe it was the early 40s, but I don't know that. But we'll go back and find that out because I've read the history. And you know, you have to remember that AA was a very loose-knit organization for a long time. So finding history on them is, is, you know, the first 15 years, it was just a few guys, you know, kind of, Oh, here's what we're yep, doing. This like is what they we're did, doing you know. So, together our so the history the is word. kind of written from you know what we kind of remember from back then. Um, but that is an interesting question. It was, my, however, in the early days of AA, at least my history says that the men would meet in somebody's house, and the women, the wives, would typically come with them and meet in the other room. So whether that was the beginning mm-hmm. of Al Anon or not, it kind of was probably unceremoniously the beginning of Al Anon. Um, you know that was starting to happen. So the men would go meet over here, and then the women would stay. You know, go in the kitchen and meet, or go in the other room and meet. So,
1: so from a point in time, so you know, AA, the AA programs, twelve step programs, kind of foundationally the start of of, of recovery programming. Do you think then, secondarily, this women for sobriety? Kind of in history becomes kind of the next uh, the next defining program that's really gotten some legs and and you know And and evolved and and stayed true for the past. What's this 45
0: years? Yeah I mean, I I don't it it would be hard for me to envision in my and your lifetime because we're old that that somebody's (laughs) gonna knock You know 12-step programs off the perch of being kind of the preeminent you know, mode of recovery, but certainly these other organizations, you know, if you've been around since 1976 and you have women that have been sober for, you know, that period of time, that, that's terrific. That, that, that means that what they're doing is working. And, and I think, you know, for people like me, I look at it and go, whatever's working for you to have a better life is, is what should work. You know, I have ways that work for me, but I don't promote that to people. I, I just say, here's what I did. If, if you like my life and think you want to try it, I'll help you figure out how to do it. But if something else works for you, I, I think that's great. And, you know, women for recovery is probably the oldest one or the oldest one I could find I think the one that's probably most uh, out there as, a, as another one is smart recovery. You know, S- smart has been, um, I, I, they've not been around necessarily been around that, that long, long. but mm-hmm. they, they have a, a fairly good sized following Across the nation, and they may even be international at this point, and and their premise is is very much the same. They have groups, they have you know weekly check in meetings, they have that kind of stuff. But it's a it's a four point program that talks about you know wellness and things like that. And and the interesting piece that you see out of Smart Recovery is they're very they're not anti-spirituality but they certainly don't promote it it's a right. it's there's much nothing more of a in there there's co- right, nothing right.
1: in any of their and their right. their founding principles that makes reference to right. spirituality god higher power right. and i think that our notes say that smart's been around 25 years and yeah. started in cleveland ohio right but it is still uh it's a recovery community right it's still about connection it's right. still about like-minded people on a, on a like-minded path and mission Do you want? I I wrote about their four-point plan. Do you want to hear about them?
0: Sure, sure.
1: So the self, it's a self-management. So smart self-management and recovery training. Hmm. Did you know that? I did know that. I I I was happy to learn that. Of course I knew that. Of course you did, because you know, (laughs) smart like Aardvark. The four-point plan: one, obtaining and maintaining motivation. Number two, learning to manage urges. Three, handling emotions, thoughts, and behavior. And four, finding and striking balance in life. Those are their four yep. points.
0: And if you I'm think curious. about it, you know, mm-hmm. they you, you can lump all of these together. And if you threw them all into a bowl and kind of came up with what they all are, at their core, they continue to talk about connectivity yep. and making internal changes to become right. a better human being. Like they, right. they all talk about that. You know, some like smart spend a little more time talking about uh, you know, urges and things like that than what my, a 12 step program does. A 12 step program will talk much more about doing the work and that will take care of the urges, and there's probably not a right or wrong way. It's different for everybody. Sure. Um, so, yes, SMART seems to have a pretty good success rate and a, and a pretty good size following. I think what else do we have on there for other recovery so programs?
1: Let's go to, let's talk about, um, we have Life Ring still to talk about and LifeRing um,
0: is the secular program, I believe, right? Isn't it called LifeRing Secular Recovery? I, I think so is the phrase they use.
1: LifeRing is... It's a secular recovery, yeah. abstinence-based, anonymous organization dedicated to providing a safe meeting space where you can experience a non-judgmental recovery conversation with your peers. Yeah. We do this through the lens of LifeRing's three S's, philosophy of sobriety, secularity, and self-help. Right. Um, that and the other one was another secular organization, was SOS. Did you, uh, did, you I did read yes, a little I, bit yeah, about yeah, SOS? Yep. Um, so also that 1985, a nonprofit network of autonomous, non-professional local groups dedicated solely to helping individuals achieve and maintain sobriety, abstinence from alcohol, and drug addiction, food addiction, and more. So So many of these... Yeah other programs have that, that, you know, that secular foundation. I
0: think what we're determining is we're determining that we want people to find recovery and, you know, I'm convinced that 12 step programs can work for everybody, but they don't work for everybody. And so if people need to find other ways, you know, one of the other things that seems to work and I, and I don't think we listed it on our thing is this whole fitness and recovery. There's a gentleman in Colorado, I think his name is Strode, who started a whole gym just around recovery, and that's kind of expanded uh, around the country in some different avenues. So it's like, you know, come and do physical fitness and join, but again, it's that same thing. It's a community. So you're going to, you're working out at a gym and then you're hanging out with the people that work out at the gym and you have in common stuff. So they may not be as adamant about doing necessarily a lot of inside work, but they are doing the the connectivity piece, the, you know, something that we have to live for, something that's fun. So all of those things are happening. And it, it is funny. One of the ones that I, that I want to talk about, all, all of these for the most part are abstinence based mm-hmm. and abstinence doesn't mean no medically assisted treatment or any of those things like that's not what abstinence means you know even in the the rooms of 12-step programs i have my own you know feelings about what you know relapse is and, and what it isn't but in the end if you're prescribed a drug you know to get off heroin or whatever the case is by an accredited doctor who's working with you you can still consider yourself a member of the recovery community. Like that's not, you know, there, there, as, as that kind of treatment has begun to happen, there becomes this rift between, well, if you put anything in your body, you know, that you're not supposed to, then you're oh. not sober. And, and I don't, I, so I, I can't make about a about medically gi- assisted treatment uh, is, is you're, yeah. so.
1: I'll
0: give you the, I'll give you the best one. Hold on. Be, hold on, hold okay. on before medically, I'll give you the best one. The best one is medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. And is does, you know, because marijuana gets kind of this rap that it's not really a drug, it's kind of a playful drug and all that. I can tell you that I know a few people, not a lot, but I know a few people who destroyed their lives with marijuana. Like it it doesn't typically happen it's probably a gateway drug on some level but not all the time and there probably are people that can recreationally use it and not have it cause them troubles but so the question is you know are you in the same are
1: fashion that some people can, recreationally can have a drink or of wine or, use alcohol yeah, and not yeah. have a problem. It's
0: always been kind of my, you you won't find a lot of recreational crack smokers. You won't find a lot of recreational (laughs) heroin heroin users. users. You won't, you know, but you do find recreational pot smokers and recreational drinkers, people who can do it and manage their life. And so I think that, you know, those things, and I, I think that, what you have to remember about recovery, and I'll credit the government and and treatment facilities for really standing on this pulpit. You are in recovery when you say you are. No, nobody can tell you that you're not. Like recovery really is about the way that I feel. It's not, you know, there's not, and, and that's that whole idea of there aren't rules for it. It's not, you know, I know people who have considered themselves sober for many years who still use recreational marijuana. I can't be one of those people. If I start smoking pot, I will go back to what my drugs of choice are. That, that's what will happen to me. But I can't be the arbiter of whether their life is in recovery or not. They have to be the arbiter of that.
1: And I don't think it's our job here or anywhere to define other people's recovery. Right. I do think it's an interesting conversation, abo- though, about the difference between I'm treating my addiction, right? I'm in treatment for my addiction. Um, so I'm using marijuana so that I don't drink and I don't use heroin. So I'm using, right. I'm using marijuana to treat my addiction. But I'm not necessarily in, in recovery unless I'm actually working, I think, uh, unless somebody's actually working right. to to improve their and improve I think their life, which I, I think is for us and for so many people foundational to, to defining recovery, even SAMSHA individuals yeah. improving their health and wellness. Yeah. I mean that line to me is profound. That recovery is is an action. It's, I it's think
0: that I think that the statement you're making is that we live in this instant gratification society, and we live in this place where everybody's hoping. Even I, and I've been sober for a long time. Even I, when I see something come across the news that they might have a new pill to cure alcoholism, I go on and read it. I'm like, oh wait, if I could just take a pill and I don't have to do any of this other stuff. And I don't believe that that's ever going to be the case because I think that this, this illness is so, uh, it, it's so wide ranging. There are so many things about it. So I think that, that there are a variety of tools and when we make all the tools available to people and people determine what the tools that and are best for them are of of them they use too. those tools that's when they yep. get but I, I think the point that i wanted to make is all those are abstinence based and i, I will take a, a, a shot at one that is not you know there's an organization called moderation, moderation Manage, management moderation management and you know there's an interesting story behind moderation management it was founded by a woman in the mid 90s who wanted to you know be able to i guess drink recreationally and and you know Teach people how to do that and I'm a believer that if you're actually afflicted with the disease of addiction that there's not a It's not a moderation thing. You can't go back to that's just my opinion Maybe people can but it is interesting that this woman who founded this Ultimately killed a father and I believe his daughter in a drunk driving accident when she was driving the wrong way on a highway and and that's not necessarily meant to you know knock it it's just to say that this is a serious illness that really does numbers on people and and people who are talking about it should be talking about it and really understanding you know what they're doing you can go online and you can you can find now hundreds if not thousands of people who are selling recovery programs you know people get three four years in recovery and for 39.99 a month they'll teach you how to live in recovery and you know, people like me become a little jaded about that, um, you know, because it, it's just a, it's a, this is serious business. This is people's lives that, that, you know, people die. And so I'm not saying that people shouldn't do it and everybody wants to help, but there is some responsibility to putting yourself out there to help people, to understand that if you're, if you're offering them things that are not healthy, look, I'll, I'll give you a great example. I'm a, I'm a 12-stepper, I'm a, I have been for years and I'm not ashamed to say that it works for me. When somebody comes to me and they're in need of, you know, help immediately because they've been using for two years, I don't, drag them to a 12 step meeting. I call my friends who work in the field, the doctors and the medical experts who are able to help these people get through the really tough first days. Like we should use that, you know, back in the early days, people didn't even have that. You brought people to your house and tried to, you know, treat them for this. So thank God we have resources like that. And everybody who's in recovery or says they're in recovery should make sure that they at least understand what they're doing and that you are dealing with people's lives. And, you know, over the years we buried an awful lot of people who who couldn't get and remain sober um, you know not necessarily because somebody else did something wrong it's just my caution is that it's serious business and when I hear people say you know moderation management you've been an alcoholic for 20 years but I can teach you how to you know drink a couple of drinks safely boy there's most of us in the recovery community are going that's just not a true that's statement a so uh, you know
1: I think it's interesting that um, there are, when you look at programs that have been around since 1935 or 1976, I think there's some evidence to say that that what what we're trying to do here works. At least you know what the statistics are, the number of people that have, that it actually has been able to help. And it does give it some credence, as opposed to somebody that has newfound sobriety that says, I've got the answers. If anybody's trying to sell you on short-term answers to a, a long-term, yeah. in your the core of who you are problem, right. I mean, that's, you know.
0: And most good treatment facilities, the guys that are partnered and listed on our website and people that we believe in, they all promote some form of recovery and they don't dictate that you go to 12-step meetings or Smart Recovery or Women for Recovery, but they're all telling you that you can't just walk out of here and be okay. You need to be connected to some type of a community that's going to help you. So even the the experts, the people who have education in this and have studied it and are actually treating people at that most vulnerable moment are saying you need to when you leave here continue on this path with people that can help you like it, it you know so
1: there's not one of these organizations that we've talked about today that says to people you can go it alone you know
0: yeah that's true it, I mean yeah.
1: like or dislike any of the tenants of what of these programs they are all mm-hmm. saying you have to be connected and I, and I think you continue to speak to that and I think it's such an essential yeah. part for anybody's recovery in any method is that they're connected to people, like-minded people on a like-minded path to a like-minded solution. And there are a
0: few out there that do that we didn't talk about today. And again, you can't talk about all of them. There's hundreds or maybe even thousands of them, but th- there are a few out there that, that do look at it from, you know, you can do this alone. And, and I guess for me, I look at it and go, I think the people who know me know that I, I may not necessarily, you know, say that I like people that much or any of that stuff, and (laughs) and I'm a little bit bit caustic with regards to that. But I will tell you that the truth is I I do like people and I do need people. And I I think that we as human beings, sometimes we miss that. Forget about being in recovery, you know, the connection that we have with people. The friendships that are made, the things like that—they're really, really, really important for people. I I think that I live way healthier when I'm surrounded by people that are just that. You know, we get along, we like each other. It doesn't mean we agree about everything, or you know, it it just. And I think that that's an important. It's it's really important for people in recovery because the end result is we go back to using. It's important for all of us. You know, as, as you you look at the, you know, the world we live in and all the stuff that's going on, you know, the world would be a little better if everybody kind of exercised some of the recovery principles that we have. You know, love and tolerance is our code. Like, what can we, how can I be helpful to somebody as opposed right. to getting what I want? How can I be less selfish and, you know, more helpful? and. You know, so yes, I mean, I think that we all can learn a great deal from, you know, the recovery movement with the understanding that for people in recovery, it's not like, oh, I get to learn to be better. It's that if I don't do this, I probably am going to return to my lifestyle and ultimately may die of this. So I I think that that's an important component to remember.
1: You know, I love it that you uh, that you said. That the whole world would do better to just adopt some of the principles, and and I'm I'm taken by, um, of the twelve traditions, not the twelve yeah. principles, but the twelve traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. The first one says, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on on unity, yep. on the program's unity, and and yep. that. You know, that one statement, and, and we embrace that in the, our day job. Yeah. We embrace that as members of our community. Yeah. We embrace that with, with MHEB. We are only str- mm. as strong as the weakest link yeah. in, in our organization. We are only as strong as the weakest link in our community. And if we're not doing whatever we can to raise those people up, our community can only be so great. Whether it's a recovery community, whether yeah. it's a, you know, a living community, a, 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 a workplace community. We are only as strong as our weakest link and, and I love it that that that's, that that plays into that. So yeah. thanks for thanks for talking about that.
0: Do we have anybody else listed on there that well, we want to talk about?
1: there the, you know the ones that are here that we haven't talked about there's something called Lucid app. I've not I've yeah, so, read any about Yeah, so so one of the that. so one of the
0: things that you're learning and and is that Again, this goes back to the internet and the app stores and those types of things is, is there are all these kinds of places that are offering kind of connectivity. You know, we have it on our website, you know, mhab.org has a, a link to Champlain Valley Family Center's recovery center that you can go on and Electronically oh, talk to a to a chat with a, a, chat with chat a, with recovery, a coach. recovery coach yeah. absolutely yep, so yep. The, a lot so we could probably list hundreds of these that are kind of those same types of things where somebody or some group of people started something you know there's one called sobriety engine that's a, a huge organization or at least what you see online looks like they're a huge organization and it, it's kind of a guided recovery and it's more um, you know meetings and online meetings and forums and you know question and answer and things like that so I think that there's a ton of these that are that are there designed for this And I, I think, go, did you have something you wanted to add?
1: Yeah, well, the only other the only other one that came along that's also a non-spiritual one that, that you have on your notes is a Rational, rational recovery. recovery. I didn't read about that. What do you, what so do you know about recovery,
0: that? So Rational Recovery's been around a long time. It's interesting. Yeah, the last yeah. couple of times that I looked at their site, their site has been down and listed for under construction. And they're kind of a loose-knit organization that uses a thing, I think it's called AVRT, Advanced Voice.
1: Recognition. S- Technique technique Ad- addictive. addictive addictive voice, voice recognition, recognition, recognition. Technique. and Curious. it's des-
0: it's designed mm-hmm. to get you to talk to your inner change your inner voice or something and and uh, oh. it's a it's a book. I actually had the book. I, re- I bought it years ago and read it and um, and it's an interesting take. The, the guy who founded it, I believe, is a psychiatrist or a psychologist that's also in recovery, hmm. um, and and started this as kind of a and and originally, what you could find out about them is they were it was they were kind of the anti-spiritual other <laughs> recovery movement. And uh, but they've had it. They've bad. had they've had some growth over the years. I, I really don't know what's happened with the organization. Like I said, when I checked their website, it continues to say website under construction. So spirituality's
1: um, gotten better rap over the years a little bit you know I think that uh, you know religion can be a little bit divisive and it's 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 unfortunate I do like that so many of these programs find language that allows you to stretch your idea or your thought of spirituality or God or higher power to a place that I think can be all accepting and I think you can correct me if I'm wrong I think that's what they really intend I, I, I yeah,
0: know. I mean I you know I th- I'm not a religious guy on any level and I but I think that most religions kind of at their core preach the same thing. It's be sure. good to other people, help out where you can like like it's not we get we get caught up in a lot of this you know was Jesus the son of god or you know all you get people get caught up and want to argue those vi- really specific things but at their core religious people are typically you know good people who sure. try to help out in society where they can so and
1: they want to be part of a community yeah, of like-minded yeah. people doing right, things to make right. their world a better place right if
0: you think sure. about it people who go to church many of them go to church for the community yeah. part of it they get to see other people that yeah. they're like and so i i think that it's funny we we try lightly on that today and it, it is the great it's been a huge debate for a long time in all of society about you know what God is what God isn't what's spiritual what's well, not spiritual I think you experience
1: you know, that with a lot of people in early recovery I mean you work with so many people mm-hmm. that you know they and I don't know whether it's it's real or contrived that they they get very anxious about any program that really kind of puts in the forefront right. God or spirituality, yeah. I think that's a that's a real that's a real sticking point for so
0: many by, people. But by, at their core, people who are addicts typically aren't good rule followers. We're not good at you know <laughs> living by what society says. We're kind of anti-authoritarian, and when you, you throw what? that when you throw that God thing in, there always seems to be a little bit of uh, you know, well, who's he to be my authority? Yeah, like I want to you charge? know live my own He's life. He's not the so, boss of me. So it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. So that's kind of our take on on you know the recovery programs that are out there. I want to wrap this up by saying that the the you know the recovery center that's located at the MHAP campus is called the All Pathways to Recovery. So we really do embrace this. All ways to
1: recovery. No,
0: it's all pathways, I believe.
1: All ways to recovery center. Is it all ways or all Pathways? All ways to recovery. A L L -L 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 W A Y S
0: edit that then <laughs> i thought it was all all pathways <laughs> might be all ways okay. why not you just start over again and say like yeah. to wrap up yeah okay so i'd like to wrap up with uh you know saying w- we talked about the different ways there are to recovery and the, in fact the mhab campus houses the always to recovery center which is you know a Champlain valley family center offshoot um,
1: and they promote, all, they, promote they promote all, all, all avenues to recovery yep. and, and they yep. promote the, the, the entire yep. essence of what we've been talking yep. about, connection, yep. finding like-minded people, wanting to find. If their you go path in, to If recovery. you go in
0: their place, just their bookshelves, has every program that we talked about, I believe, for, or pretty close, sure. has their book or their literature available for people to read. So we're we're trying to be as open and embrace as much mm-hmm. of this as we can. And they host some different 12-step meetings. Sure meetings. They host some non-12-step meetings. And do an it's, awful a, it lot it's of a
1: drop-in community of center. A drop-in so community, you can yeah. show up at the always. Yeah. You don't always even need to
0: be in recovery. You can just come. Right. You can be a parent of a kid who's struggling. You can come in and ask questions. Like, you know, that's the, the part of this that you know, you know when you think about what we're really really trying to do, we're trying to normalize uh, addiction and recovery. recovery. We're trying to make sure that the stigma goes away, which is the big catchphrase right now. But we're really trying just to normalize it and make people realize that people who are addicts are not necessarily bad people, although oftentimes they do really bad things. They're not bad people and that people in recovery aren't anything special, we're just people who are trying as best we can to live our life a day at a time and and, and be a good contributor to society. Like there's, they're not these wide extremes, they're, they're, we're, we're well, more just people. it's not an us versus are, them. Exactly. You know,
1: it's not. there shouldn't be a, a cultural divide between people in recovery and people not in recovery. We have yeah. to figure out how to make it okay for you to be able to say to a person that, you know you've met at work to say you know who says hey do you want to go and have a drink friend after work and you can be able to say you know I'd love to go and have dinner or something just want you to know I'm in recovery or that that it, or I'm in recovery from whatever it ought to be conversations that we can all have and that we shouldn't be judged by that we shouldn't be stereotyped by um, by by whatever is our is our struggle in life especially if we're on a pathway to recovery I know some
0: stereotypes that I could use for you
1: what are you going to come up with now?
0: So as we as we close this week's episode of our podcast, I'll remind you that I promise to wear a different sweatshirt with a message every day. So I'm not sure if you can see, this is an actual MHAB design sweatshirt, it says just back from insanity. And for anybody in recovery or not yet in recovery, you'll probably know what that means and have an understanding of it. Um, our, our web store is located at mhab.org. The website is located at mhab.org. There's a whole bunch of free stuff on there. Please go read some of the blogs. Check out you know, podcasts and from the past. There's, uh, there's some good stuff on there. So we'd, we'd ask you to go on and, and uh, just support us by visiting. If you happen to want to buy something, that's great. But if you don't, you know that's okay too. Our next podcast will be, and I'm very excited about it, I featuring know. the one and only... Assemblyman, assemblyman, New York State d, assemblyman d d billy jones, billy jones will be here He'll and we, be here, we will be talking about the the governor's bill that billy was hugely responsible for yeah. Um, he was a sponsor of a that sponsor bill. A sponsor of the bill for uh, and tax of that incentive
1: bill, based on your, to, you know, your yeah, had, urging. I had in a your little conversation bit of with him. Um, a we'll be deal. talking
0: about that bill. We'll be talking about what else Billy does for people in recovery and the addiction community. And mm-hmm. he's been a huge asset. And and uh, on top of that, he's a ton of fun. And so he's a good man. Next, uh, really the next is. one should be a good time. Yeah. And and. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about next uh, next week or two weeks from now. and We will. And we'll plan on some other ones in the future.
1: We'll have some other fun things to talk about here at, what's our podcast name?
0: The Good, the, the Bad,
1: dot, dot, dot,
0: recovery. I don't like the name. <laughs> I think we've got to change that. <laughs> COVID out.
1: Thanks for joining us today at Recovery Uncovered. No matter where you are in your recovery journey, or if you're supporting the recovery journey of a loved one, just know today is the first day of the rest of your life. Visit our website at mhab.org.
0: And if you want to become an old timer in recovery, don't use and don't die. This has been Recovery Uncovered.